Was Muhammad truly the greatest prophet? Today, we are going to look at prophecies of Muhammad and see if they came true. That's what we'll be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, you are listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and I'm Tyler here with my co-host, Robbie. Hello, Tyler. Good Yo, to see you. Good to see you, too. Hear you, I guess. Hear you. People okay. are listening. They're hearing Yeah, it's good for yeah. everyone to hear us. You'll just be blessed yeah. with your, your eardrums. What's that back? old joke? People say, oh, yeah, my mom always told me I have a real face for radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that before. You know, yeah, that, that's good. We got to yeah. make up it. We got to update it with a new one for podcasts. That's true. You're yeah. right. Uh, my, my, yeah, I don't know. I heard a great joke, and I'm going to say it. Okay. I don't know if people are going to like this. Go but, ahead. Uh, one of my friends, Aaron, she told me that uh, podcasts are the new tramp stamp for this generation. <laughs> Do you remember those? Those lower back tattoos? <laughs> And I said, what's that supposed to mean? She's like, everybody's got one. Everybody's got a podcast. I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. So I'm excited about the topic today. Muhammad, right? Continuing right, yeah. in, our, in our Islamic uh, Islamic series here on uh, is, uh, is it true? Is Muhammad a real prophet? We're going to be getting into that today. Uh, but just as a reminder for our listeners, hey, we want you to get plugged in to our Christ Culture and Coffee Insiders group mm-hmm. on Facebook. Now, I do want to say something about this. I've been seeing a lot of requests for people that want to be a part of it. And in order to be a part of it, it's so easy. All you have to do is ask to be a part of it on Mm. Facebook and then write us a review on iTunes. Yeah, that's been happening a lot. I'm getting them too. Yeah, people say, hey, I want to be a part. And then it comes up, did you write us a review? And they put no. (laughs) Well, then you're not going to get to be in, right? I mean, that's the (laughs) stipulation. So, hey, if you want to be in, make sure you go and you take two minutes out of your day, and you write us a review on iTunes. Now, listen, I know a lot of you listen on Spotify or CastBox or SoundCloud or yeah. iHeartRadio or Simplecast, on and on and on. Wherever you're listening, if, you, if you're if you not on iTunes, that's all right. You don't have an account. That's okay. Write us a review on our Facebook page, and yeah. we'll count that as writing us a review, and we'll let you into the CCNC insiders group so make sure before you ask to join that you have done that and then right when we see that you say yes boom you're in and you can be part of this awesome uh community of people who are talking about things we had a we had one of our listeners last week actually share about a trip she had to salt lake city and she took pictures that was awesome yeah yeah, she went all over the place she she sent us a, a message saying hey what do i see while i'm in salt lake where do i go so we told her a whole bunch of cool stuff to go do and then she did it and she sent us a whole bunch of pictures about it so So, yeah, it's a really cool community of people. We definitely want you to be involved with the Christ Culture and Coffee Insiders group. Yeah, that's super important. And um, and then that's the thing. You can post in there questions if you're traveling to somewhere with a mm-hmm. hev- heavily uh, based Mormon population or Muslim population or uh, any type of – heck, if you're going out to San Francisco or mm-hmm. something like that, you know, you can message us on there. Yeah, say, what's the deal with Harry Krishna? Yeah, like, <laughs> give me some quick tips. Like, yep. oh, we are we want to be a resource for you, and this insiders group is one of the ways that we've been doing that for our listeners. And so 
um, we would love for you to get plugged in on there. Absolutely. Yep. Also, um, the Deep Faith Apologetics Conference is coming up That's right. quickly. Tickets are almost sold out. It's going to be November 2nd uh, here in Phoenix. If you're in the greater Phoenix area, if you're in Arizona, or you know, if you're in California or New Mexico or Utah and you want to drive down, it's not that far. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be a great conference. November 2nd at Calvary Phoenix. Uh, you can go to deepfaithapologetics.com for all the information, for tickets, uh, information to buy tickets, to see the topics. But Sean McDowell's coming out to speak at it. I'm speaking at it. My friend James. We have a whole bunch of breakout sessions. And like I say every week, we will have a Christ Culture and Coffee table That's right. at the event. You can come and talk to me and Tyler. Uh, we would love to get to know you and uh, just have you come join us for a great day of apologetics. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, so now we are ready to get into the topic for today. Uh, but before we get into this, we just wanted to um, kind of establish the intentions behind this topic today. Yeah. So uh, now we share a lot of information on this podcast on how to do outreach, right? How to go and to be um, reaching out to the community of uh, Muslims and with uh, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, uh, homosexuals, atheists, like, you name it. It's to reach our community, right? Yep, to reach them with Jesus. Yeah, right. And and, and that is the goal of this podcast is we, we want to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith, be confident in their faith, and then to go out and share that, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing about this specific episode, though, this we want for the believer. This is specifically for us to know and to talk and think about, uh, but this isn't necessarily something that you would share with your Muslim neighbor. Yeah, there's a way better way to go about evangelizing to Muslims than with yes. the information we're going to share on this podcast. However, we think that as a Christian, you need to know the things Muhammad said and prophesied about so mm -hmm. that you can have confidence in who Jesus is because he's far superior even right. as a prophet to Muhammad. He's far superior in his um, in his morality than Muhammad. So exactly. this is not a podcast about, hey, here's a tip for reaching your Muslim neighbor for Jesus. If you lambast the name of Muhammad, <laughs> they're probably not going to listen to you. Yeah. Right? yeah. So next week, we're having a very special friend, Alan Schliemann, on the podcast, and he is That's an right. expert with Islam, and he shares a really great tactic, a way to share your faith with Muslims that engages them and that kind of gets on equal footing with them, things that they already believe to be true. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal tactic. So make sure you listen to that next week. But for today, we want to inform Christians about what Muhammad said so that you have confidence in your faith in Jesus. And you see that these other religions, they, they just don't have yeah. good evidence. Yeah, it's so, so true. Like you look at... Um uh, Mormonism and like atheism, like all these other cults and religions and beliefs that we've talked about, uh, you see these um, these uh, really crazy like obscure ideas. And like we said in the past too, it's it's it could be easy to make fun of these, but that's not that's not respectful. It's no, not no. And some of what we're going to share is kind of laughable. It is, it is. But we're not. The intention here isn't to poke fun at or to laugh right. at. Right. The intention here is to inform you as to what. Muslims believe and what uh, Muhammad claimed for himself. Yeah, and basically the point of that is just so that way your faith is strengthened in hearing this and knowing that you believe in 
a God who is consistent and mm-hmm. who's trustworthy, who is trustworthy, and do, there aren't a bunch of scandals and obscure, weird, creepy things about your faith that you, yep. you know. So it's like you can have confidence in your faith, yeah, and, because we have an evidential faith. Yeah, right? we have an evidential It's not just faith. based on hoping; it's based on good reasons. So, right. well, let's get into it. So, um, Muhammad claimed to be the final prophet of Allah, and we know this because he said it. When he was quoting Quran, when he was saying uh, chapter 33, verse 40 of the Quran. So I want to go ahead and read that to you. This is what uh, the Quran uh, verse or chapter, chapter 33, verse 40 says. Muhammad is not the father of any one of your men, but he is the messenger of Allah and the last of the prophets. Okay, so the Quran claims that Muhammad is the last of the prophets and he is the messenger of Allah. Uh, Muslims believe this. They believe he's the greatest of prophets, right? He's the final prophet. He's the ultimate prophet who brought truth and um, wisdom from the word of God, from the Quran. So with that established, we're going to look and see what did he say and prophesy about and did the things he said actually come true are they true in the real world, or was he wrong about certain prophecies? Mm. So that's where we're going to go with this. Now, the Bible gives us a really great test for prophets, and we apply this to everybody. I would apply this to anybody who comes and says, hey, the Lord has given me something to tell you. Mm. I would apply this to Joseph Smith. I'd apply this to Muhammad. I would uh, apply this to the Mooney cult, right, or, or David Koresh, or any of these guys, Jones, right? Um, we always want to say, okay, they're saying they're these prophets of God. Let's let's measure up and see if they make the test. God gave this test in Deuteronomy 18, verses 20 through 22. Uh, this is through Moses, right? So this mm-hmm. is about 3,400 years ago. God gave this <laughs> test to see if a prophet is truly from him. I'm going to go ahead and read that. Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. Now you may say in your heart, how will we know the word of the, which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, you shall not be afraid of him. Okay, so what's the test? I love this because God says, listen, don't listen yeah. to false prophets. And I know what you're thinking. You're going to say, how do we know if they're false prophets? These guys come and say, you say something. Mm-hmm. How can we know if you really said it? And God says, the way you'll know I said it is if it happens. And <laughs> if it doesn't happen, the guy's not a prophet of mine because my word doesn't fail. <laughs> yeah, what I tell right. people is going to be, it is. So it's it's a very simple test of 100% accuracy. Yeah, and that's so great, too, how this passage even answers a question knowing mm-hmm. that you'll likely ask. Yeah, it's, like, it's a great question. Yeah, it's like you may say in your heart, how will we know? Which word the Lord has not spoken, right? And yeah. it's like, and it's good. It's good. And so this is this is a really good test. Like you can apply this to anyone who makes a prophecy about yep. the future, and like you see that it works. If somebody comes along and yeah. says, "Thus saith the Lord," this is from God, mm-hmm. not "Hey, this is my interpretation of this passage," but this is a word that God gave to yeah. me to say. Okay, if you say it, it better happen. Otherwise, you're not a false. You're, you're not a real prophet. You're a false prophet. Yeah, and I don't have right. to be afraid of you. And that's how we know too that this is accurate when you look at the biblical 
Old Testament prophets. You can see all the stuff that the, that they prophesied about came to pass. Yep. There was not one failed prophecy. No, they made they were they had a lot of issues and a lot of them de- dealt with sin. Sure. And, uh, yeah, they weren't perfect people. Human beings. They're not. But, yeah. But but this is the thing. We're not looking at the person. Right. We're looking at God said something and used a person mm-hmm. to communicate it, and right. God can't. T- Tell the he, he can't lie, right? He has right. to tell the truth. So if God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen, and that's the test. If it mm-hmm. doesn't happen, God didn't say it. If a prophet says it's from God and it does happen, you have some reason to trust the guy. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I just think it's a great test. It is a great test. Yep, it's wonderful. So let with that in mind, let's dive into some of the things that Muhammad said in the Quran. And in the Hadith. Right. And, um, remember, if you haven't been listening to this series, um, the Quran obviously is the eternal word of God. Um, but to to Muslims, the Hadith are verified as the their authenticated actions and sayings of Muhammad the Prophet. And he is the greatest man who's ever lived. So what he said and what he did is like as good as inspired scripture, right? You need to follow what he says. So a lot of their practice comes from what they read in the Hadith. So that's important for us. The Quran and the Hadith, very, very important um, scriptures for for Muslims. So let's dive into what the Quran and Hadith say about some scientific issues. Now remember, Muhammad was living in uh, the early 600s, right? He started receiving revelations in 610 AD, and he died in 632 AD. And so what is in the Quran are revelations that he received from God. So with that, let's get into some of the science behind what Muhammad had said. Yeah, so there's lots of scientific problems with some of the claims that Muhammad made. Yes. And uh, in one of those claims that we have here, this is found in Surah 37, 6 through 10. It says, We have indeed decked the lower heaven with beauty in the stars for beauty and for guard against all obstinate, rebellious, evil spirits. So they should not strain their ears in the direction of the exalted assembly, but be cast away from every side, repulsed, for they are under a perpetual penalty, except such as snatch except such as snatch away something by stealth. And they are pursued by a flaming fire of piercing brightness. Okay, right? so what is this saying? Yeah, that's... It's, this is in regards to stars, mm-hmm. right? And he says that God said, right, because this is in the Quran. Yes. That he decked the lower heavens with stars, and the purpose of stars is for beauty and to guard against rebellious evil spirits. So they mm-hmm. can't hear what's going on in the exalted assembly. But instead, now think about this, the stars help cast them away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are pursued by a flaming fire of piercing brightness. Yeah, so it's it's to keep... Stars are for keeping yeah. demons away from the holy assembly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, that's, what, one of the, that's the claim That's here. what it's claiming here. That's right. And so then um, going further, there's, there's more context provided to that statement. Mm-hmm. So we see in Surah 67.5, it says, And we have from of old adorned the lowest heaven with lamps, and we made such lamps as missiles to drive away the evil ones and prepared for them the penalty of the blazing fire. Okay, so stars are what? Missiles. That's what it says. Missiles. Stars are missiles to keep out demons. Yeah. Right? That's what this is saying. Drive away the evil ones. Yeah. And that's Tyler, are stars used to (laughs) is God throwing stars at demons? 
No, that's not. That doesn't make any sense. Because because the thing is, we know scientifically that stars are like these balls of gas yeah. out in space and yeah. that are like ignited. It's not. They're not missiles. They're missiles. Not catapult fireballs. Yeah, like yeah. we we've been to space. We've seen. Like the, uh, we've can we've gone further like with technology and scientific advancements that you can yeah. see that like that's not what a star is like. We, well, and one of the things about that I, I was thinking about with this is that okay, so they're missiles, they're they're physical balls of fire yeah. that are chucked at non-physical things. Yeah, that's what's why would you need here. that? Doesn't make sense. Why would you? It why would you use a physical thing to keep out spiritual things? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't. You're right. And so, but so the claim of God's word though is that stars are missiles. Yeah, yeah. That's well, what a, if we're misreading that? Like, what if? Okay, well, it doesn't exactly mean that right. there are shooting stars. So, does the Hadith <laughs> give any light to this? Well, yes, it does. We find that in the Bukhari, which again we talked about in our other episode. Yeah, this Bukhari is, is the best Hadith. Yeah, so they, this is the gold standard. This is for sure authentic. Yeah, the, like according this is, to Muslims, correct. Yeah. So, like, basically, this is like held in like highest regard. Next, uh, like, yeah, of all the hadith, it would be like next to the Quran. Like, yep. it's not at the same level, obviously, but it's like it's no. But these are verified yeah. sayings and deeds of Muhammad. Yeah, and yeah. so th- this is where we uh, we get this from is from the Bukhari. Uh, it says, um, I apologize if I say this incorrectly, but it says Abu Qatada mentioning Allah saying. And indeed, we have adorned the nearest heaven with lamps. Okay, so what he's saying is is he's he's saying in regards to uh, Surah sixty seven five. Right. He's, he's, yeah. He's quoting that. Okay. So it's, so in regards to that, Allah's saying, yeah. 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 Right. He said the creation of these stars is for three purposes, and they are one as decoration of the nearest heaven, two as missiles to hit the devils, and three. As signs to guide travelers. So if anybody tries to find different interpretation, he is mistaken and just wastes his efforts and troubles himself with what is beyond his limited knowledge. And that comes from Sahih al-Bukhari 3198. Yeah. So this is hadith. So so if you say ah you're misinterpreting, you know, stars aren't missiles to hit demons in the Quran. Well, according to the hadith, that's exactly what they are. Their second yeah, purpose yeah. is as missiles to hit the devils. That's right. That's exactly. So they're correct. for beauty. They're to help navigate. And right? then stars to, can help you navigate. Yeah. And then they're to they're used as weapons against devils. That's that's what the Bukhari says. It's just not scientifically true. Right? So there's a problem yeah. with the things that Muhammad has said. Yeah, like we can see through modern advancements in science and seeing like since then, it's like that's just not – like it's impossible that that's what that's for. Like it just yep. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. So yeah. that's a ding. That's a strike against Muhammad, right? Yeah, right. That not you would true. say that that was, Sorry, what was not, happening. Not that's real. Not, yeah, exactly. Well, another thing that he said is in regards to the sun – all right, so this comes from, again, the Quran, from God's holy, eternal yeah. word. This is in Surah 18, verses 83 through 86. It says, And they ask you, O Muhammad, about Dahul Karnan. Um, Dahul Karnan, uh, commentators say, Muslim commentators say it's either talking about Alexander the Great or it's mm-hmm. talking about Cyrus the Great. So for, for sake of argument, we're just going to say Alexander the Great. Okay. Mm, yeah. So I'm just going to read when it mentions him. I'm going to say Alexander the Great, and they ask you, O Muhammad, about Alexander the Great. Say, I will recite to you about him a report. Mm-hmm. Indeed, we established him upon the earth, and we gave him to everything away. 
So he followed away until, when he reached the setting of the sun, he found it setting in a spring of dark mud, and he found near it a people. Allah said, O Alexander the Great, either you punish them or else adopt among them a way of goodness. (laughs) Did you catch that about the sun? (laughs) Alexander the Great traveled to where the setting of the sun happens, and he found it setting into a spring of dark mud. On the earth. Yeah. The yeah. sun sets into a mud puddle. <clears throat> yeah, that's what it's describing. Is what the holy word of God claims. That's just not true. The sun doesn't set. We rotate, right? So yeah. sci- scientifically, this isn't true. Now, Muslims will counter and they'll say, well, listen, it doesn't mean it literally set into a pool of mud water. I think, uh, th- didn't they even add into that exact passage? Like, in Yeah, the in, the, in the translations, yeah. they'll have in brackets that he found it as if setting in a spring of dark mud. Mm. But the, the as if isn't there. That's not what he said. He no, said that's not what was said. It was setting. So they're saying, well, it looked like it was, you know, kind of a thing. The problem with that interpretation is we have hadith that talks about what was meant by this. So again, this is believed to be true, authenticated hadith. It's in um, Sunan Abu Dawood, three thousand nine hundred ninety-one. So right. that's Sunan Abu Dawood, three thousand nine hundred ninety-one, and this is what that says. I was sitting behind the messenger of Allah, who was riding the donkey while the sun was setting. He asked, "Do you know where this sets?" I replied, "Allah and His Apostle know best." He said. It sets in a spring of warm water. (laughs) Muhammad said that the sun sets in a spring of warm water. Not it looks like it's setting into, it's as if it, he claims it's the sun sets in a spring of warm water. That is blatantly scientifically false. Yeah, it's, uh, and that's true. Like, it's just interesting to think through. Um, just with like the limits of technology and mm-hmm. advancements and knowing this, like he could go around saying these things and no people could No one would question him. Yeah. Especially so, when he's saying this is what God says. Yeah, yeah. But so, he, but but we know now that what he said doesn't match up with the evidence we find in the real world. Yeah. That's which right. means not a prophet. Yeah. Not a prophet. So stars, wrong. Sun, wrong. Right? Yeah. Now yeah. let's move on to some more of the humorous uh, aspects of, of yeah, what he said. Yeah. Tyler, tell us a little bit about what he said about drinking water. Yeah, no, d- this is... This is silly. All right, yeah, it, it is laughable. It's just uh, really just, like, crazy. Just He said all this stuff about different types of water. Yeah, and we definitely, like, after we read this, nobody would take this advice. This yeah. is just bad. Um, this is a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, and so it says in Sunan Abu Dawood 67... Which, again, is Hadith, right? Right. It's Hadith. It's, he said, uh, I heard that the prophet asked, uh, so I heard the people ask the prophet of Allah, water is brought for you from the well of Buddha. It is a well in which dead dogs, menstrual cloth, and excrement of people are thrown. Uh, the messenger of Allah replied, verily, water is pure and not defiled by anything. And, and, and so basically, he's saying that he, Yuck. he, yeah, he was able to drink Water that had human feces in it. Yeah, menstrual cloths. Menstrual cloths and dead dogs. And people yeah. are saying, why are you drinking that? And he says, water's pure. It's not defiled by anything. What is that true? 
Yeah. No, it's, water can make you sick. Water can kill you. It's, if it's it has disgusting. Diseases. We yeah. know this. This is why we build clean wells in Africa. This is why That's people right. have developed yeah. straws that have filters on them. Oh, oh like, and it gets worse too. Oh man, it gets worse. So, okay. so we, it goes further. We, this comes from uh, Sunan, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly. Sunan. I think it's Ibn Majah. Ibn, Ibn Majah, okay. Yep. Thank Sunan you. Ibn Majah, which again is Hadith. Yeah, right. So Sunan Ibn Majah 520 says what? Yeah, it says, uh, it was narrated that Jabir bin Abdullah said, we came to a pond in which there was a carcass of a donkey. So we refrained from using the water until the messenger of Allah came to us and said, water is not made impure by anything then we drank from it and gave it to our animals to drink and we carried some with us that is horrible a dead donkey carcass in a pond and you're drinking the water because the prophet right said water is not made impure by anything just that phrase right there Mm. is that true tyler water is not made impure by anything so not true no that is horrendous. That is untrue. That is wrong. You, you know, that's just like, that's the thing too. That was just even common sense like for them then. It's because it's like they they didn't drink it because. Yeah, those guys were like, oh, know. we're not drinking that. And then uh, that's the other thing. That's also to imply that, that would imply that wa- the chemical structure of water can't change, right? I guess, if yeah. If you think about you can't, that. You can't, it can't carry disease. But but if it can't do that, it's just like thinking through like like that it can't change and carry disease. That's just... It's bizarre because we know it's not even like some new scientific advancement. Like we said, like these guys knew. They knew, yeah. They knew. They, they said, oh, we didn't want to drink from it. The people knew, hey, Muhammad, you shouldn't be drinking from that well. Right, yeah. And he said, it's no big deal. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's and clean. So, Water can't be made and so it, there's there's even more <sighs> behind this. Okay. So, so there's further statements that uh, Muhammad makes about water. Um, in Sahih Bakari, in Bakari, um, Allah's messenger said, if a fly falls in the vessel of any of you, let him dip all of it into the vessel then throw it out, uh, meaning the fly, uh, throw it away for in one of its wings, there is a disease. And in the other wing, there is a healing antidote for it. The treatment for that disease. That is ridiculous. A fly in one wing <laughs> has disease, and then the other has the antidote. So yeah. if it lands in your drink, dip the whole thing into it. Now, Tyler, I want to point out something here. The guy claimed that water cannot become impure by anything. Yeah. It can't be made impure at all. Nothing can defy water. But mm-hmm. doesn't this admit that a fly's wing can make water impure? It does. It does. So wait a second. That. I thought you said that literally water is not made impure by anything, but then if a fly lands into it with the one wing, you better make sure you dip the whole thing. You're right. That's that's exactly. This contradicts what he said. You're right. That you know that's a good point, Robbie. I didn't even think about that because you're right. He implies that it is poisoned with yeah. disease. So you need to the dip first... the whole fly in to get it out. Yeah. Yeah. So so there's but contradiction then, here, and it's just yeah. wrong all the way around. There is no antidote in a fly's wing and a disease in the other. Mm, yeah. And water can be infected. That by is a contradiction. Things. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that that was in Sahih Al Bukhari five thousand seven hundred and eighty-two. Mm. Right. Right. But this th- and this this isn't Christian stuff made up. These are all valid hadith. Yeah. This is all Muslim texts. All Muslim texts. Muslims believe these things were actually said by Muhammad. Yeah. But yeah. They don't live by them today. You can't or you would die. Yeah. 
Like, you're right, you're right. Clean water is a big deal. It is. So we've got is. we've got him saying things about the stars that aren't true, things about the sun that isn't true, and now things about water that aren't true. Well, let's yeah. keep moving on. This next thing that he says is in regards to why kids look like their mom or their dad at different times. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the deal with that? Why do sometimes they look a lot like their dad? Sometimes they look like their mom. Yeah. Well, we know how genetics work, right? And mm-hmm. we we know, um, and we we've shown with genes, right? Uh, genetics. Uh, two blue-eyed people can only have blue-eyed children. Yeah. Right. But two brown-eyed people can, if they're carrying the recessive gene, they can have a blue-eyed children. Mm-hmm. Genetic. We know. We know how this works. We know how heredity's passed on. Well, here's what Muhammad said when when this question was asked to him. So, um, I'm going to read this passage. It comes from Sahih al Bukhari. Mm-hmm. All right. So the best hadith out there, Volume Four, Book Fifty Five, Number Five Hundred and Forty Six. And this is what was happening. It says, when Abdullah bin Salam heard the arrival of the prophet at Medina, he came to him and he said, I'm going to ask you about three things which nobody knows except a prophet. What is the first portion of the hour? What will be the first meal taken by the people of paradise? Why does a child resemble its father? And why does it resemble its maternal uncle? Mm. Okay, so yeah. here, the, the, his question is why sometimes does it look like the dad? Why sometimes does it look like the mom's side? Yeah, and you family? probably had a lot of people asking this back then because they didn't have. They didn't know genetics. Yeah, they yeah didn't sure. Know genetics, so, but but right. this is all in a test. Notice that. Yeah. I'm testing to see if you're a real prophet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is important for what we're talking about. It is. Was yeah, he a real yeah. prophet? Here are the responses of, of Muhammad. All right. Allah's messenger said, Gabriel has just now told me of their answers. Abdullah said, He, Gabriel, from amongst all the angels, is the enemy of the Jews. Allah's messenger said, he's going to answer the questions now, The first portion of the hour will be a fire that will bring together the people from east to the west. The first meal of the people of paradise will be extra lobe, cotton lobe, of fish liver, as for the resemblance of the child to its parents, if a man has sexual intercourse with his wife and gets discharged first, the child will resemble the father, and if the woman gets discharged first, the child will resemble her. Okay, so we don't need to go into too many details about what's being said there, yeah, right? Yeah. During sexual intercourse, there are bodily fluids exchanged. Mm-hmm. And he's saying the reason the kid looks like his dad is if the dad discharges first. Yeah. And the reason it looks like the mom's side of the family is if the mom so, – so the whole thing's dependent on who during the sexual act discharges first. Mm. That is just not how <laughs> genetics work at all. And this yeah. was a test to see if he was a true prophet. Yeah. Right? Now, if he would have explained, well, listen, there are these things called genes, and there's this stuff called DNA, and whoa, r- way different type of yeah, thing, right? Right, that's true. Even if he would have said, there's information that's transferred, that would have been fascinating. Yeah, right? That, yeah, right. He doesn't say that. He says that there, whoever discharges first, that's who the kid's going to look like. Yeah, yeah. Now, listen to what Abdullah bin Salam says. After these answers, right on that. Abdullah bin Salam said, I testify that you are the messenger of Allah. Now, a couple of problems with this. Again, it's verified hadith, but let's just listen to what's being said. A guy comes to him to test him, and he says, I have three really big questions for you that only a prophet will know. So if you're a real prophet, you will answer these correctly. Okay, 
how does this Abdullah bin Salam guy know the answers? He says only a prophet knows these. So it's like he, he doesn't know either, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's just like, oh, that sounds good to me. Okay, I admit you're a prophet. Yeah. But blatantly, we know that that is not how how genetical traits are passed on to children. So according to the test po- po- um, poised in Sahih al-Bukhari, mm-hmm. Muhammad failed the test of being a real prophet. Yeah. Because he is wrong, and we can prove through scientific advancement that he was completely wrong. Mm. Now, yeah. there's another passage. This comes from the Quran, and this is just so blatantly wrong. And I, I do want to just alert our listeners to this is a little um, explicit, I guess. This is a little. This is this is kind of an adult thing that that we're going to hear in in here in the Quran. Um, so just as a warning to any you know five year olds listening, we probably don't have little kids listening. Pro- probably not. But, but this yeah. is what the Quran says, and we do need to address this because this is blatantly false. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Surah 86, 5 through 7 says, So let man observe from what he was created. He was created from a fluid ejected, emerging from between the backbone and the ribs. Mm. Now this is talking about semen, right? The sperm of men. Mm -hmm. And it says that the semen is created emerges from between the backbone and the ribs is that where in our bodies in male bodies semen is made no in your chest cavity (laughs) it's not it's not this is this is blatantly false and it is in the eternal word of allah yeah written down mm -hmm. and said for the first time from the angel through muhammad the greatest prophet of all time yeah it's just not true so again, stars, wrong. Sun, wrong. Drinking water, wrong. How mm-hmm. heredity is passed on to children, wrong. Where sperm is created in, in a human male, wrong. Yeah, and it just you just see this repeated through like scientific inconsistencies yes. that were made through prophecy and saying, yes, this is this is how things it's are. It's just completely wrong. We yeah. Remember, uh, Joseph Smith made prophecies about people on the mm-hmm. moon. Remember that? He did, yeah. He made prophecies about people on the moon and then... Uh, and then uh, Brigham I Young, I think. I think it right? was. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, do you remember uh, that there was even further talks in Mormon uh, prophet writings saying that there were people that lived on the sun? Yeah, right? Quakers. Yeah, Quakers. Joseph Smith said there were Quakers, Joseph Smith said they were Quakers who lived on yeah. the dark side of the moon. And then I think it was Brigham Young, and he said that there were also Quakers, I think they were 10 feet tall, yeah. who lived on the face of the sun. Yes, that is true. Just blatantly and He wrote false. that. I remember where he wrote about the... Um, uh, the Quakers on the Moon, if you want to research that for yourselves. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember the exact specific page and passage, but he wrote it in his journal. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, and, Joseph Smith Journal. Yeah, yeah, there's like a there's an actual book they have of his per- personal writings, and he wrote mm-hmm. it. it. But he went around and he taught that. Yes. And he, well, and that, he says that in the in his own book. And, that's, journal, and yeah. that's an issue. And that, that's just what we see with false prophets. They say these outlandish things that at the time nobody could check into and verify. Yeah. But now we do, and we can. That's true. Yeah. And they're true. proven false. So let's keep moving on to see other things that yes. Muhammad did or said that, that kind of make us go, I don't know if this is real prophecy. Yeah. And so this next one, it, this is something extremely specific, it sounds like, that is just it, it, the way that it's 
set up, it makes it seem as though it was directly intended for Muhammad's benefit, yes. not for everyone else. And so you'll, let, you'll see what I mean when I read this passage here. It's uh, Surah 3353 says, O you who have believed, do not enter the houses of the prophet except when you're permitted for a meal without awaiting its readiness. But when you are invited, then enter, and when you have eaten, disperse without seeking to remain for conversation. Indeed, that behavior was troubling the prophet, and he is shy of dismissing you. But Allah is not shy of the truth. <laughs> okay, so what is this saying? This is basically saying, up to this point, Muhammad was having unwelcome guests. Yeah, people were staying too long after dinner wanting to talk. And he felt too shy or embarrassed to, to take them out. Get out! So right? yeah. he instead says, divine word from Allah. Yeah, you, God told me. Yes, you have to maintain these standards and leave my house when I tell you to. And think about this. He, he, he puts in there, now Muhammad's a real nice guy. He was too shy to say it himself. But I'm not. God's coming down with the hammer on you, right? I mean, it is. Come it's what's on. happening. Now, th- now the question becomes this is the eternal word of God? Yeah. That seems like a real specific. And if it if this said, "Hey, when people are extending hospitality to you, don't overstay your welcome." Okay, right. that's like a general principle. That's the thing. And you know what's crazy is uh, Muhammad could have done that. He could yeah. he could have wrote it just saying that. Yeah, but he like, didn't. And it's still specific about Muhammad right. in his houses, right. leave right after dinner, don't try to hang Because that's out. the thing. It still would have given him the same benefit because yeah. he could have told people, hey, remember what the Quran says about, like, remember what Allah's word mm-hmm. says about overstaying your welcome in people's houses and the conduct. Yeah. He can remind them of that. when. But it's having, not a general principle. But it's not. It's like a specific yes. thing about Muhammad's houses. Yes, and because he wrote it as a specific like thing and not something that's general but specific to him mm-hmm. that's where it becomes an issue of prophecy because he's he's specifically stating that this is true and that just sets it up to make it look as though he's just writing this for his own personal benefit yeah it seems like a convenient revelation yeah yeah no, i i just i just don't see another way of looking at that no that's, i that's don't the, either no, that's the issue I, here. i'm with you on that so that seems pretty sketchy too now, another issue we have is that um, we looked at what the Bible says a test of a true prophet is in Deuteronomy 18. Right. Well, in the Quran, there is actually a test given to see if the word of of the Quran is actually from Allah. Mm. So we want to look at that. Okay, this comes from the Quran in Surah 8, or sorry, Surah 482, 482. It says this, Then do they not reflect upon the Quran? If it had been from any other than Allah, they would have found within it much contradiction. Mm. Okay, so what is this test saying? It's saying that the Quran is obviously from Allah because if Mm -hmm. it wasn't from Allah, you'd find within it much contradiction. Right. Notice it doesn't say... If it's from Allah, you won't find any contradiction. That's what you would expect, right? That's kind of like the standard in Deuteronomy 18. But it right. says you won't see much. There's not, there's not going to be a lot. There's gonna be, of course, there's going to be a little contradiction, but not a lot of contradiction. Wait a second. This is an issue. Yeah, that's no, that's true. You're right. There's there are lots of contradictions because that's the thing. We we I mean we were just talking about um, Muhammad like. And all of these, like he's contradicting himself in and a lot contradicting of what he's saying with reality. It he doesn't is, fit. Yeah. So, but I, I just think it's I think it's funny that the test says 
if it's from Allah, you won't find a lot. Yeah, and that's, expecting you would find some. Yeah, and like, that's just and so God fascinating. Isn't big to me. enough to make sure His word is. It's, accurate, it's like it's like when you're reading that too. They just they know there's contradictions and issues in what yes. they wrote. Like that's the thing. Yeah, because because they're implying that there are issues. They're in implying that, that there are contradictions. Yeah. But then this is the crazy part with what we've looked at and what we've talked about over the past few weeks in this podcast. There are much contradictions. There's not only a few, there's a ton. Yeah. So it 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 sets up a test that's pretty weak, low bar test. Mm. The real God says 100% accurate or it's not from me. This says, well, there's some contradictions. Yeah. But there's so many contradictions, you can't label them as a few. So the yeah, Quran fails the low bar test that it even sets up for itself. And, and that's what, what I think the question that needs to be asked is too, based off of their own standard, how many contradictions qualify as not much enough? Like that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like how many because they're saying that it that it does it doesn't have that many contradictions. So but it I'm, does. I know it does. Yeah. And that's the thing. So it's like what books. That like show. I want to see an example of something that has more contradictions than this. Yeah, that oh, will I give c- it that credit. I could definitely show you books that have less contradictions. Yeah, yeah, that's think, what I'm think saying. Think about this. You and I could sit here and we could write a perfect book if we yeah. wrote um, a book of math equations. Yeah, that are simple, right? Two mm-hmm. plus two is four. That's true. Five plus five is ten. We could write a whole book full of that. And it, it be would a be a hundred percent perfect. Yeah. So does that prove that it's the word of Allah? No. It, well, according to the Quran, it does. That's you're right. I don't. I don't think it is. But if the test is that there's not a lot of contradictions in it, well, then that that qualifies a whole ton of books as being from Allah. Yeah. But the Quran fails that test because you're there right. You're are right. a lot of contradictions. Because that's it's not exclusive to be the message of God. It can be anything. Like anything can sure. fit that description. Yeah. It's a really yeah. weak test, and it fails its own weak test. Yeah, because that's what I'm saying. Like someone could come and say that they have a, uh, a new revelation, right? Or something mm-hmm. something past what Muhammad knew and make claims and saying, hey, look, it doesn't have, they can compare it to this test and say, look, it doesn't, doesn't have, have a lot of contradictions. Doesn't so it must be of, from Allah. And if yeah. it has less contradictions than the Quran, then people might believe it. That's yep. what I'm saying. So that's it's true. like, it's just seeing these issues, mm-hmm. it just it, it applied to their own text too, yeah. in, in their own standard. Yeah, like we're fails. using their own material against their own material. Yeah, we're, That's the thing. we're not. Yeah, this isn't Christian interpretations or Christian ideas. These are their hadith and their Quran. Yeah, nothing this is we've what used. it says. I mean, one of the things that yeah. I think, one of the tactics that gets used with, uh, in regards to Christians when they're talking with Muslims is that Christians have no idea what the Muslim sources say. And that's why this episode, right? We want to show you, listen, yeah. let's read what it says because a lot of people don't read through this. Um, and it's important for us to know what's in it because when we do investigate things, truth comes out. We can mm-hmm. see what's real and what's a lie. So Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Well, so. and again, let's let's compare this to the test from the Bible, right? Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22, which yeah. we talked about at the beginning. If a prophet's from God, what he says, God says, will happen. And if it doesn't, that message wasn't from God. It's yeah. an 100% accurate test, right? Right. That's what we should be looking for. And if somebody says they're a prophet and they're not 100% accurate, I love what the Bible says. You don't have to be afraid of them. That's, that's very important, You don't have to listen important, to what Robbie. they say. That's what I was going to say. And that, that's so important, that last bit, do not be afraid of them. Because I, I think uh, a lot of people get caught up in, in, get, in getting worried or afraid of all these other uh, prophets and ideas sure. that have been out there. Because think about some of the things that they're claiming, like Muhammad based off of his claims like you have to like Muslims like live in fear of living a good life and they doing do. good works. Well because I mean hell is 
is dangled over them. Like yeah, it really is. Yeah. Like they want to get into paradise, obviously, but they're also motivated of, oh, man, I don't want to go to hell. Hell is yeah. described in the Hadith as a horrific place. There's there's this one Hadith that talks about how um, Muhammad, mm. in a dream, he saw what hell was like. And um, there was a guy that had a bronze hook and he was standing over another guy and he'd poke the hook into the guy's cheek and rip it out and poke it into his nose and rip it out and poke it into his eye and rip it out and tear his skin. And then he'd switch to the other side of his face and as he was ripping out that side of his face, the guy's other side would heal up so that the guy could go back and tear it all again. And he was saying that this is the types of torture that's to come. Um, there were other people who were baking in ovens. He said those were adulterers forever. They're baking in ovens and being burnt. Uh, liars have their face torn with the hook, right? And so a lot of Muslims live in fear of what yeah. the prophet said. But if he's not a prophet and everything he said didn't happen, we don't have to be afraid of what he said. Yeah, We don't have right. to live in fear and, and of can, that system. And then that's the thing, too. Muslims don't have security in their salvation. They don't. No. And so that's the thing. Like You don't have to live in fear of the teachings that Muhammad gave about not being secure in your salvation. You can be secure in your salvation by knowing Jesus. Yep, because Jesus said that he's the way, and he's the truth, and he's the life. And that's the only way we can get to heaven. And then he says... If you believe in him, you won't perish, right? We have mm -hmm. eternal security in Jesus because he did the work, not because we do it, but because he alone did it. And Jesus is a superior prophet to believe in than Muhammad because the things Jesus prophesied about actually happened in real space-time history. Mm. So Jesus validates himself with evidence, whereas we have all this talk from Muhammad about stars, the sun, genetics, that it's, it's just not true at all. Mm -hmm. So we want to we want to look right. at uh, uh, prophecy Jesus made and then talk about the evidence that literally you can go see today. Yeah. Yep. So this comes from uh, Mark chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. It says, as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what a wonderful building. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the temple, right? And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? No one stone will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. And you remember people like this is discouraging. Like, man, it took forever to build the second temple. Yeah. This thing, it, it took a long time. And look at how awesome it is. Look at what God's done, letting us come back in the land. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus says, yeah, listen, there's a day coming where this is all going to be torn down. Yeah. Was it? Can you go see the temple today? You can. You can go see I the mean, temple. You can see the remains. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah. But can you see the temple? No. Oh, wait a second. So what Jesus said actually happened? Yeah, it did. W when did this happen? It happened in 70 AD. That's right. Right. What In 70 AD, Rome came down to Jerusalem, and they, they destroyed Jerusalem. Yeah, and it happened. So, like, this came to pass. Like, and that's, that's what I meant you can see today. The part you can see today is you can go there and see that there's, there's not, just as Jesus said, not one stone was left upon the mount, right? Like, yeah. the, the whole temple was torn down. Yeah, what happened, the Romans came in, and they destroyed the temple. They looted all the good stuff, and then they literally took all of the cut stones and threw them off of the temple mount mm -hmm. onto the road, the paved road below. To this day, you can go see those cut stones that were chucked off the temple mount yeah. and where they crushed the road, the pathway. You can sit on them. You can touch them. Yeah. The yeah. archaeology is literally there in Jerusalem for you to see, wow, Jesus uh, had fulfilled prophecy. He made this prophecy between 30 and 33 AD. Yeah. And it happened in 70 AD. 
And 2,000 years later, a little less than 2,000 years, we can go see the evidence that, wow, Jesus' prophecy came true. And there's tangible archaeological evidence for that. Yeah. That is fascinating. It's so fascinating. This guy yeah. seems a little bit better of a prophet to believe in. Yeah, that's the thing. Muhammad. And this is something that happened way out, like after he died. And that's yep. the crazy thing. Like he had no control in this happening. This is mm-hmm. the Roman government coming in and doing this. But he, and it happened uh, like, like well, roughly 40 years. Yeah, about after 40 years died. after yeah. the prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's just so crazy to think that, like, that the, how this came to pass. And it proves, it just proves even further that Jesus was who he claimed to be. Yep. And that's the whole point, right? Prophecies mm-hmm. about God uh, drawing our attention to him. He's yeah. doing things, he's predicting the future, and, and um, that should draw our attention to the message of his prophets. So if Jesus was a true prophet, which is proven by this and other prophecies, maybe we should listen to what he says about being the only way and about God yeah. so loving that's the right. world that he gave the Son, that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. It's not about following the six articles of faith and believing those. It's not about doing the five pillars of Islam. It's about trust in what Jesus did, the work he accomplished in dying for our sins on the cross, so that when we believe in him, we can get his righteousness imputed to our account because he took our sins on himself and killed them. Yeah, That's the gospel. And Jesus is somebody worth trusting in because he made prophecies that came true. He did miracles that were real. And he proved all of it by rising from the dead, which yeah. means he's probably someone we should listen to. He wasn't a guy all by himself in a cave. Right. Huge difference between these two people. Huge difference. So definitely uh, Jesus is the superior prophet. Muhammad was a false prophet. Yes, that's, that's true. You're right. You're absolutely right. It just so comforting to to just know that we believe in a god who has like who gives us reasons and evidence mm-hmm. to believe he doesn't in just the say just trust me on this yeah because anybody could say that yeah right I, we need something more than that to have confidence and mm-hmm. he he wants us to have confidence in reality and he gives us evidence which is awesome yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, and that's the whole point of this podcast, right? Is we want our listeners to grow in their confidence, mm-hmm. but also to be equipped to go out and to share their faith with other people. So, again, this isn't about um, uh, talking to Muslims about all the false prophecies of Muhammad, right? Unless yeah. you have a really great relationship with them. But make sure you tune in next week when we talk with Alan Schleeman on a really great method to spark conversation with yeah. your Muslim friends and neighbors about who Jesus is and steer them towards the gospel. So please come back for that next week. Well, we're at the end of our podcast, and this is Christ, yes. Culture, and Coffee. So this is the coffee portion of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so, That's Tyler, true. you have a coffee tip for us today. I do. Now, uh, we were we were trying to think, uh, just with this series on Islam, we were trying to think of uh, different coffee tips, maybe from the Middle East or anything um, Arabic kind of coffee tips. And something that, when I was looking into it, just based off of this topic, I found something really cool, a method on preparing coffee. Okay. And now what you do, this is a Turkish coffee preparation method. Uh, Basically what you do uh, is you take a a stove stove top, like they take a pot basically, and they they put it over an open flame and fill the pot with sand. Okay, sand. Sand. Like dirt? Yes, like dirt sand, like actual sand that they get outside. They fill the pot with sand. Hmm. And then what they do is they take these little cups for heating up coffee, like little mugs in there, stick it in the sand, and then put the water and then fine 
grounded coffee grounds. Mm-hmm. And then basically, the, 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 this is a method of brewing the coffee because of how it works is it, e- it equally distributes all of the heat and the energy throughout the sand rather than one specific area when you're brewing it in a normal oh, coffee Oh, so it's not pot. like a hot area of the pan. It's all yeah, distributed yeah. through the sand. Yeah, exactly. And so with this, though, you are actually drinking the coffee grounds. Okay. Well, that, yeah, Turkish method. coffee is really thick. Like there's like... It's like a yes. sludge almost. There's like yeah, fine yeah. grounds in it. Sure. But you know what? It's I, I want to try it too because it seems really good. But the but, sand heats the the. It, that's that's how they heat the coffee. Yes, yes. And go look it up. Look up a YouTube video of how this is done because we uh, we were watching a YouTube video of this um, recently and I, I saw it. It's so cool the method of heating up Turkish coffee with sand in a pot. Like it's just, it's just cool because. Uh, it's just something that we're not used to seeing in American culture. Yeah, I, I want to try like, that. So you take yeah. the sand and you get a cup and you put water and coffee in the cup and then you put the cup in the sand and yes. let it like boil. Yes. Okay. Yes, because the sand gets so hot mm-hmm. that it boils well, the listen, water and like, the coffee together. I believe that. It. I've yeah. been to the beach in the summer. And there's sometimes yeah. you go and it's like, I'm burning my feet off. This is horrible. <laughs> so that yeah, kind of makes yeah. some sense that you could do that. Yeah, yeah, and so the method of the sand is instead of like setting the little individual pot, uh, like mug in the the pot mm-hmm. the sand equally distributes all the heat and energy okay. so it's super that's super cool. cool we got to try that sometime yeah we'll probably yeah. burn the place down <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome so and, that's and then, a cool tip yeah and so for those of you that have been listening up until this point for those of you that love coffee and we're sticking through because usually about this time a lot of people drop off of our podcast mm-hmm. and for those of you that are hardcore listeners a couple weeks ago we let you in on a little secret, but we're just reiterating that secret that uh, soon we will be releasing videos as a part of our Christ Culture and Coffee content. Yeah, we're going to start being those cool YouTube people. Uh, you're going to get to, ha- well, you're going to have to look at our faces now. Yeah. Uh, we still will be posting all the podcast stuff like normal. Yeah. But we're just going to have a video of it too, plus a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Which is going to be really great to help equip you to be ready to give a defense for your faith, to be confident in your faith. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that. And if you actually go on our social media, you can see some pictures of the studio. It's coming together. Mm-hmm. It's looking really nice. Yeah, it's looking great. So uh, so we'll be announcing uh, as it gets uh, closer to time when we'll be coming out with the content. We'll be sure to let you guys know. And then you can stay tuned. But th- like Robbie said, the best way to keep up with all of that is by following us on our social media accounts. And then we'll keep you updated as uh, more information comes. Yep. Well, hey, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Make sure you go out and you love people well and you tell them truth and you show them the love of Jesus through how you act and through what you say. We'll be back next week with Alan Schliemann. Thanks again for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.